Good morning, um, everyone, and welcome to start the week with um, Lorna and Lottie, the place where we chat all things culture change, communication and leadership. The third in our three-parter, Lorna, and we're pretty excited about this one, are we not? Dum, dum, the series finale of our thoughts on Mr Bates versus the post office, aka the Horizon scandal. Yeah, and we've got not one, but two special guests today. Joe, introducing stage left, Joe Moffat. Um, hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, hi, Lottie. Hi, Lorna. And hi, hi other mystery guest who did mystery to be revealed. Yes, this man is a polymath. He's a, he's a creative wizard, he's an artist, he does lots of acting um, and directing and set designer, all-round gladiator, otherwise known as my dad, or Richard <laughs> to his friends. Richard was also, most importantly, a sub-postmaster during all of the years of the, um, of the Horizon scandal, and we're really looking forward today and so pleased that he's able to join us um, to share some of his views, thoughts and opinions on um, what was happening during that during that time. Um, welcome, my dad. Well, thank you, uh, darling, um, <laughs> who I also call Charlotte from time to time. Yeah, so don't let that confuse you. But, I'm um, always Charlotte to my dad. But never Lottie. So, um, yeah, Lottie. Hello, Lottie. <laughs> And hello, and hello, Lorna. Hello, um, Richard. So, um, you know, I said that I'll probably just take a little bit of a back seat on this and just let you kind of, you know, talk to my dad and get the wisdom of his um, insight, um, having, you know, worked kind of in the eye of the storm of the Horizon scandal. Yeah, thanks, Lottie. I think both Joe and I are keen to um, to understand this from from an insider's point of view. And Joe was saying before we started recording that her local post sub post mistress was um, was arrested as part of Horizons. So has some personal experience there. I guess to start off with, I'm really keen to get a sense of what the culture was like at, um, at post office when you were a sub postmaster, Richard. The impression that I have. Um, from reading what I've read, listening to the sub postmaster being quoted and, and obviously watching the drama is that there was a bit of a them and us feeling. The corporate team sort of looked down upon the little people running the post offices. But that's just my perception. Is that how it felt at the time? As far as um, my wife and I were concerned was that it was our private business. And it mm. was. Um, mm. So that's how we viewed it. So we we never thought in terms of oh we are part of a bigger concern called the post office we were part of our smaller concern called jill and richard running the local sub post office uh, in the forest of dean so it was it was almost more like a it, culturally it was almost more like it you were it was your own franchised business if you like I know it wasn't in a in a you know legal sense but it it was more that than um perhaps the sense of them and us uh, absolutely right and and in terms of um how we promoted inverted commas the post office we weren't promoting the the post office we were doing something that we wanted to do. It was a lifestyle choice, having previously worked for 25 years in banking. Um, 
we were quite pleasant people so people in the village quite liked us um, but we weren't doing anything noble in as much as oh we're you know servants of the people here mm-hmm. we're running a business and people like us and we like them and um yeah lifestyle but I, I just wonder whether my observation on that and I said I wasn't going to jump in but I just I I just wonder whether that <laughs> disconnect almost made it easier for head office to other the post office the sub the sub postmasters you know almost because there almost wasn't a sense of collectiveness yeah mm-hmm. Richard can I just ask before we get into the meat of it just to sort of perhaps set the scene for our listeners a little bit in terms of when what years were you running the post office in the forest yes okay um we took over the post office in 1988 Mm -hmm. so pre-horizon then pre very much Mm pre-horizon and um the post office actually closed and moved to the local shop um, in 2014. Right, right. So you straddled quite a long period then. A long period. um, Initially, very much a manual operation as far as the work that you did financially. And then latterly, um, the Horizon system. Right. because of our financial back background, um, we we had a we had a, a wider vision of what we were doing mm-hmm. um, and where and where to find it. But don't, don't get me wrong, we did we did have differences. Like for for instance, um, I think uh, on one occasion we were four thousand pounds short. Well, it turned out to be that somebody had um, paid in, um, no, drawn out £2,000 from a National Savings Bank account and would put it as a a credit that they'd paid the the £2,000 in. So obviously, at the end of the time, we were £4,000 out, but knew that that was the accounting. What I find really interesting about this, Richard, is that I think your sense of kind of being on on top of it all and being quite confident with the operation that you were running came from this the finance background that you had in this sense that this is my business I'm accountable for it I'm running it so you you didn't and actually what I heard you say is you you'd feel confident if you ran into problems that you could resolve them I'm wondering then watching what's what's being what's been uncovered over the past 20 years and now has really come to the spotlight now what are your thoughts on on how it happened and and what's gone on for the other sub postmasters during that time? Yes, my thoughts would be that it obviously wouldn't have been all sub postmasters. There would have been a number um, like myself mm. um, who, and, and Alan Bates was obviously one of them that said, well, no, I'm not signing off those accounts because I know that it's not me. Um, and likewise, if you if you take the Joe um, uh, scenario, that oh no, I'm two thousand pound short. Oh no, I'm now four thousand pound short. It mm. is my fault. What on earth mm. can I do to rectify it? I must immediately find some funds to put in. It's a mindset that if you're 
aware financially, you would know that it was not you. Mm. Uh, you were lucky, weren't you? You were lucky in a way that you had that background. What kind of training and support did they give you if you didn't have that background? Do you know? Um, not really aware of that. I, I, I mean, we all had training on the Horizon system when it was being introduced. So um, everyone was, if you like, equally trained on the Horizon system. But any knowledge of, I, I mean, people will have come to be sub postmasters and mistresses from all different angles. Yeah. One yeah. thing I, I'd, I'd perhaps like to explore a little bit, if we can, Richard, because clearly you personally didn't didn't experience problems with the horizon system that you're you're aware of and as you've quite quite re quite rightly articulated you know your background was such that you would have been confident enough to have challenged it when perhaps others were less so um but so so perhaps we can broaden the conversation out beyond specifics of horizon and just think more about what it was the culture of working as a sub postmaster in the post office over those years. Um, one of the things that's struck everyone, I think, watching and un understanding the problems that have arisen is just how isolated some of those post postmasters and postmistresses felt. And not only how isolated they felt, but how they were they were made to feel that they were the only one. And there and so they were, you know, there, there was that sense of, oh, it must be me, guilt, mm -hmm. and I'm yeah. alone. So if we if we move more broadly away from the horizon thing specifically and just think generally, when in the time that you were there, how how much did you kind of operate alone and how much did were there opportunities for you to connect with your fellow your colleagues in other sites, um, yeah. and and also to to share your 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 voice and your views and your opinions up up the line with with management. Yeah. So okay. Well. Um... There, there's there's a number of things. Um, one, uh, there was uh, a union, uh, the right. uh, mm -hmm. -post, National Sub-Postmasters Union, which I, 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 don't, I don't think is getting enough uh, airplay. I, I, I'm not certain what their involvement or angle has been, mm -hmm. but there, there was certainly, you know, uh, many of us were union members. Right. Um, we also had um, informal sub postmaster meetings, um, which yes were arranged in uh, sort of a central pub, and you know several from uh, miles around met up and talked about issues that uh, we had. Um, and then during there was obviously the helpline, um, and then during the period of um, from 1988 to 2014, at some stage, um, the post office introduced um, a position called a retail network manager, um, uh, and mine was a uh, a, a man, um, and he was tremendous. He was really very helpful. He was a friend. I could phone him up, did phone him up. Uh, he would visit the, the branch. So there was that level at one time. Yeah. And I'm not too certain now because I can't remember when I think he might have been 
dispense with. Yeah, because I was thinking that that could have been that that level, that bridge between post office, head office and the postmaster network. It, it's almost like that role of regional manager could have been that really important bridge during the scandal for the postmasters to have someone to to share mm. their concerns with. And it looks like that person that, that whether it was a restructure or whatever, but that but that level seems to have been taken out. I and mean, it certainly wasn't mentioned in the course of the of the drama. No. no, I mean, just to pick up on what you were you were commenting on around the, the union, Richard, and they're now not known as a union because in um, in the early noughties, they were, it was determined that because you weren't employees, they weren't a trade union. They were traders. They've been recategorised as a trade association, apparently. But um, the uh, the first um, uh, in, inquest um, was they actually criticised the NFSP. And the judgment from the judge says they're not remotely independent of the post office, nor do they appear to put their members' interests above their own separate commercial interests. So the NFSP then actually issued a statement saying they should have done more under its previous leadership to challenge the post office privately. So it feels like um, there, there were the mechanisms in place, but maybe for different reasons. They weren't working for the for the postmasters, sub postmasters who who hit problems, and if you didn't hit problems, that was okay. And I think, as you said, I don't know how many post offices we must have, but we're talking about about 800 sub postmasters that I think have been affected by this. But how many post offices would we have had across the UK at this time, Richard? Do you know roughly? Well, it's it was probably 12 to 14,000, I would say. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I remember reading some of the pieces from the post office saying this is a small number of our overall sub postmasters and certainly from your point of view it was a fairly uneventful um in terms of scandal or drama a fairly uneventful you know period of time that you were running one but it's, it really speaks to me of the the impact that a big problem in a small group of people can have it doesn't have to be a, a large part of the organization this small group of people had really devastating impacts and and the infrastructure that was supposed to be there just wasn't doesn't seem to have have worked for them. I'm I'm just I'd just love to hear more of your thoughts. You must have been following it. You've you've been a, a sub postmaster. Um, what would you have What do you think they should have done differently? With the benefit of hindsight, what are the things that you think they didn't get right? Well, say one of the one of the things I always think is um, and uh, I have no real facts or, or the experience to back this up but um there's there's possibly the thought that the default position um for the post office were that sub postmasters and sub postmistresses were possibly doing things that weren't quite right um yeah. so a, a sort of a default position that um yeah if anything happened it probably was something that was to do with the individual rather mm. than the system. Um, and again, rather like um, going back to banking days when we were inspected and the banking inspectors came around, it was more, what have we done wrong? And we're all worried about, have we done everything right? A little bit like um, Ofsted going around schools and trying to find out oh. the things that they'd done wrong. Um, whereas, and I, it may, and I think it probably has changed now. 
that um, I would have wanted um, auditors that came in and, and I had no problems with them, but I would have wanted them to go their first sort of thing that they said would be, I would have wanted this, you know, um, have you got any problems? Yeah. <laughs> how can yeah. how can how can we help? It's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? We we talk in, in um, the work that we do at, at Woodread a lot about the importance of trust trust in the workplace and the importance of trust both from the top down in terms of trusting the people that work for you and with you and trust with your peers and then trust upwards so that the you know, the wider workforce can trust the the leadership that that they're reporting into and if you if you don't start from a default position of trust then that's when problems arise if you're if you're in if your default position is as you've articulated somebody must have done something wrong um that that doesn't generally end well does it or it can't be can't be very objective no no exactly and and and, and that's that's where if that's the the um your start point then you can see sort of why what happened has happened whereas mm -hmm. if your start point was hello i'm on your side uh, what seems to be the problem here oh the horizon system yeah i've heard of that yeah no several other people have said that you know that would have been the the approach but it obviously wasn't that which you know does seem rather well yeah. Not rather a shame in a massive. Yeah, scale. no, and I think just going back to the point I made right at the beginning of the podcast about how this kind of this kind of otherness, this sense of us and them. Yeah. On one hand, you've got Paula Venels going around and having publicity shots taken outside post offices, inside post offices, as if she was kind of really connected. Whereas my dad's kind of lived experience is that it couldn't have been less the case and so it just seems to me so much easier to be able to victim blame when you've genuinely got no sense of um collaboration or um cohesion between yeah. the, the, the top the top and, and everybody else and I, th I think that's one kind of a really really kind of important point actually i'm wondering i'm kind of i spent this week um as a bit of a side project interviewing senior people for, um for one of our, our clients um and I'm just curious, maybe that's in the back of my mind. What kind of process did you go through to, when, for them to to select you to be a um, a sub postmaster? What what did you have to do and, and prove? Well, well, basically, what you were doing in the first place was buying a business and usually a home to live in off of the person who was the previous sub postmaster or sub postmistress who wanted to sell up. So right. that so that was your your first uh, point of contact. And you once you had established that you would be buying their business and their premises, um, the post post office stepped in to interview you to, I suppose, make sure that, you know, you were OK. But mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, really radical checks, well, they, I don't feel that they did anything like that because yeah. and if they'd gone, well, we don't think you're suitable, it would have been really tricky because, you know, you've made your deal privately with another private person to buy their home and their business. I, yeah, I don't think they were probing financial competency or anything like that. So 
Yeah, and it's not necessarily to kind of prevent it happening, but then at least then you know this is this they they need more support. This is not something that is as comfortable for them as I'm comparing you in my mind, Richard, with the image of um of Joe that I have and one of the things that was said in the drama was you know kind of openly saying I'm not very good with numbers and computers and then her world very quickly just became about numbers and computers and like the opposite really of of where your comfort zone sat mm. but without any support yeah and also I think another thing that does just said in terms of people were buying a, a business but also a home yes. so you can imagine how catastrophic it was when you're not just losing your business you're going to lose your home yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's that really rings rings true. I think what you've hit on there, Richard, in terms of that underlying, it's, it's almost like a, a starting assumption about the people that you're working with. Right? It must be them. They must be wrong. And what came to mind is somebody who works in IT said to me the other day, they've got an acronym in IT, which is PICNIC, problem in chair, not in computer. Mm-hmm. This assumption that, you know, it's the user that's wrong. It's the, it's the non-expert that's that's got it wrong. It's the, the other people. We're the ones who know what's really going on and, and they must have, have not got it right. And you're absolutely right. That idea that we're in this together. How do we solve it together? How do I help you? Could really have just headed this in a very different direction, couldn't it? I Well, I, I, I do. Yes, I, I firmly believe that. And, um, um, and I think they could have um, sorted all the issues out a lot earlier. Yeah. I think that the takeaway for me and Joe, I'm keen to hear what yours is, is it's that really um, particular mistakes seem to have been made, not jumping to conclusions and being curiously collaborative with the people that you're working with. You yes. know, what's gone on here? How can we help rather than what did you do? Yes. What's yours? I, I think well, it's 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 that, to, to be honest. And, and I was listening. There's a, an, in a, a sort of side program to the ITV drama Radio 4 are doing a, a 15 minute series on it as well. I, I picked up some of yesterday and I think it's it's about going into this into things with a mindset that can be one of two ways. It can either be we're going to go into finding out what's happened with a view to defending our reputation, proving that we didn't do anything wrong, protecting our share price, whatever, whatever, or going into something objectively to understand to really understand what has happened from all sides rather than just trying to find the positive answers actually trying to understand truthfully without prejudice what's what's really going on in an an even-handed way in order to have a a robust basis to go forward on rather Mm. than smoke and mirrors and you know just yeah yeah well it goes back it's black box thinking you know yes. it's, it's asking yeah. what has happened not who's to blame it's that it's that classic it's that classic yeah. error isn't it it's growth mm. mindset it's absolute it's growth mindset versus fixed mindset and it's all of those things that we know instinctively but it's such a I hadn't thought of this issue from that angle Richard until you'd sort of illuminated that as, as strongly as today so I'm really appreciative for you joining us okay. and um for hosting Lottie in person <laughs> uh, I know to you is Charlotte we're gonna so go and have a cup of tea now <laughs> oh good yes very self-host and masterish thing to do and probably a bit of cake as and well, there, well there is a there is a homemade cake in the kitchen that I've, that I've <laughs> well, seen I may want to have which I creatively made creatively <laughs> Is it yeah. a coffee and walnut cake? It, it, yes, it is. 
<laughs> I love that. Oh, I'm so jealous. That sounds like a wonderful way to, um, to end the podcast, start the week. Thank you so, so much for joining us, Joe. Thanks for being a um, a special guest as well. Probably you'll, you'll be a repeat special guest, I imagine. Thank you um, for having me. It's been wonderful. Lottie, see you very soon. And Richard, it's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.